as you know, I hate titles, but God, Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to judge any man, but I came to do what? Give you life and life more abundantly, and there's a way to do it. So let's go to this next slide, because I, I, I don't like titles, because I'm really I'm on this oneness again. But if we can just show that slide real quick of that picture, this is funny. So <laughs> I was in a conversation with Brad Jerzak yesterday, and, and then he posted this thing on one of his threads on Facebook, and oh man, the Baptist pastors are just after him. So, uh, uh, but I thought this was just classic. It's a parody on my, modern Bible teachers. And here's what I would tell every, uh, uh, every, well, let me just read it first. It says, Here, heresy, that special moment when you have greater spiritual insight than the apostles, the disciples, the apostolic fathers, those are the Cappadocian fathers, the apostolic fathers, the, the church, the magistrium, because you have a Bible that they wrote, compiled, and gave it to you. So uh, I was like, that is so true. And I think the sad part to me is, um, especially here in the West, we've only heard one side of, of Christianity. And uh, what's really interesting to me is if you go read the church fathers, what's probably taught in 99% of the churches right here in Colorado Springs and across the country is heresy compared to the guys who compiled the Bible. But now we teach what the fathers wrote and they go, that's heresy. And I was talking to Brad, I said, I think the two, the more I understand, and, and I'm convinced of that. If anybody's willing to, to go and go, hey, let's go read what the, the guys who compiled the Bible, what did they believe? And what did they teach? What, did they, what was the gospel to them? You'll find it's more beautiful. You'll find it's more life-giving. You'll find it's, uh, it's the power of God unto salvation, because I see people in churches all the time, and I don't see a lot of life. Be honest with you, I, think, I see I see I see them just getting beat up in life, and they're trying to phantom box all the demonic spirits and pull down strongholds over Colorado Springs, and and all this weirdness that I see in like the strongholds in your mind. If you read scripture, it's it's there's nothing there's nothing outside a man that defiles a man. Where does the defilement come from? What Jesus said, what you believe in your heart. So there's not this demonic nonsense we have to keep conquering. It's in your heart, guys. But I tell you what is you know when we went to Bible school in Africa, if they believe in the demonic, do they see the demonic? all the time because we're fearfully and wonderfully created. But uh, if you would have told me that in my little Dutch Reformed church in, Colorado, in, in Sioux Center, Iowa, where I grew up, I'd go, hey, the, they're possessed by the devil. They'd look at you and go, what, what, what? You ate some of those brownies in Colorado. What are you talking about? They don't see it because they don't believe it. Everything comes out of our heart. It's really fascinating. So anyway, um, I would just tell you this is I dare you to go read the church fathers, the guy who actually compiled the Bible. And what most people don't realize is what I was talking to Brad about is... Um, the first, you know, three, four hundred years, um, it's fascinating. They weren't in a hurry to compile a book because I don't think he really ever had a, uh, when I got married to her, I wasn't trying to have a relationship with a book. I'm trying to have a relationship with what? Her, a person, right? And scripture at, at, at Pentecost, he says, listen, I'm going to pour out my spirit on how much flesh? All flesh and all are going to know me. So does that mean just the Christians? No, it's the same word, pas, over and over and over and over that the church father said. They said all were included in Christ as all were in Adam, Romans 5. And so the, the first three, 400 years, they taught the inclusiveness of Christ. That's why it was such great news, is it wasn't just the Jew. Wow, it's this amazing thing that all were included in him before the foundation of the world. And if you're bold enough to actually read your Bible, you'll see it. Not just, oh, I heard that and this can't be right. It's because your heart just starts leaping for joy when you hear the good news. And you're like, I knew God had to be good. And so anyway, but for the first three, 400 years, they weren't in a hurry to, to compile a book. Because um, they said, you know what? All are going to know me. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And what's going to happen? 
you're not going to have need of a rabbi because that's what they thought because everybody's going to know me. So you're not going to have to be told, no God. Everybody knows him. In fact, uh, the, the heathens are the most fun to me because if I ask them, if you could believe in a God, what would he look like? And they describe Jesus better than your Bible study deal on Wednesday night, guys. They know him. It's really fascinating. Now, do they know that they're, they're completely radically forgiven and perfectly loved? No, because the hamartia, the distortedness in their mind, thinks that they're separated from God yet, which 99% of the church people think they're separated from God yet too, but they said the magic words, so now they're in. Um, it's the most bizarre thing in the world to me. But anyway, uh, for the first three, 400 years, that was never taught. And so there were about six seminaries and uh, one spoke Latin, the Western church, where we, Catholicism and all of us came out of the Reformation. The other five spoke, you guys know what? Greek, they were called the Eastern church. And there was only one that taught separation. Guess which one it was? The Latin church, which we all came out of. The rest of Christianity, guys, if you're willing to go back 2,000 years versus 500 years, what you were taught, the Reformation, go back 2,000 years and you'll, you'll be shocked how good the gospel is. It'll actually bring the life that you're looking for. So I just challenge you to go do it. Don't call Brad and myself and all these guys heretics because the fathers would call most churches heretics today. So don't tell people that they're not included in Christ. Scripture clearly says they're in him before the foundation of the world. The only lie was the separation, the enmity in your mind. Isn't that wild? Isn't that a better gospel? <coughs> anyway, let's go, to the next, uh, let's go to this next slide. So I'm on this oneness thing. Um, <coughs> I, I had this a couple weeks back. It just it fit for this this service again, so great, by, by Pastor Don Keatley. This was another Facebook post. You can pray, fast, do spiritual warfare, beg, plead, call the prayer chain, fill a stadium to storm the gates of heaven, or, I like the or in this, you can awaken to the truth that he's already given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness, Peter 1.3. Then somebody replied, I worked myself sick trying to obtain God's favor in my past. It all came to zero. It is only when we recognize Christ within who has supplied our every need that we acknowledge he has already given us himself, his portion. Everything he has is yours. It's like the older brother. Lord, please answer my prayer. I'm praying in tongues. I'm doing this and that. And what's the, what's the father's response? Just come into the family. Come into the house is what he's saying, the house. And, and really, that, that it's this, this, so this word abode that we were talking about, where um, who's the abode of Christ today? You are. You're the mansion that he's talking about. He goes, I go away, I prepare a mansion, many mansions actually, and uh, in that day you're going to know where the mansion is actually you and I'm in you. Those are the words. Isn't that cool? I was kind of a drag when I learned that because I thought I was going to have this beautiful mansion on Long Island. I was going to own the Yankees. I still am going to do that, but I don't need to wait to heaven to do it. That's the beautiful part. I can have it now. So anyway, let's go to this next slide. <clears throat> so here's some things to think about as we go through this. In Genesis, we're told to keep or maintain the garden. It says, uh, you know, most of you guys know I came out of Word of Faith, charismatic craziness. Um, and there they go, take dominion. Isn't that what they said? Take authority, take dominion. But scripture says, have it. If you go look at it, it says, have it. But anyway, it's, we, we call it maintain. We're told to maintain the garden. Only see life, because there's, there's two different trees in the garden. Which are they? Tree of life, which will bring what? Life, and the tree of this lie that there's a good and evil force that needs to be battled, and that's so, oh, it's so good. I think I'm gonna teach, uh, would you guys be interested in this? It's like the imagery, the Hebrew imagery, so you can understand scripture. Does that interest you guys at all? See, I love that kind of stuff because once you get it, the Bible just comes alive. And uh, I think for most of us, when we're reading scripture in the West, um, now I, I turn on Christian television and I go, oh my God, I used to believe this stuff. 
And uh, it's not even close to what Scripture's talking about. It was all imagery with a deeper meaning uh, because they understood mythology. They understood this good-evil conflict that we thought there was. We thought there was counsel of the gods, and we thought there were good gods and bad gods. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and Brad talked, I think he's going to talk about that again when he comes back because people are so interested in that, just the compilation of Scripture and how it came about and who wrote what and why was it written, why were these things, what did it mean to the, the church fathers, so what does it mean to us? Um, because I think that really helps a lot of you guys. Because I think the, the thing we were talking about, the two things that really hurt us is the lie of separation, which only the Latin church taught, which we all came out of. All of the rest of Christianity for 2,000 years is never taught. No, you can never be separated from Christ. That was the lie. That was the fall. That was the idea that you were fallen in your mind, but you were never truly fallen. It was in the enmity in our minds. And that, that's why it says, the truth was you were in him before the foundation of creation. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Like I said, that, that'll get you thrown out of every seminary and, and uh, to actually preach what the fathers taught will get you thrown out, but it's the gospel. It's the good news. So don't, like I said, don't call that heresy. Call what's being taught heresy. Go back to the fathers and, and anyway, so you, you guys get all that, but it's the lie of separation and the inerrancy of scripture. The, iner- the, the Hebrews, they never looked at it as this thing that there's not one error in it like we were taught. That's a very modern, in fact, only a couple hundred year old idea that you got to take, if this is the Bible, you got to take every word in there literally from, and then, it's, then it gets really weird, doesn't it? Yes. If we take it very literally, and that's what, that's what Brad made me laugh out loud because this whole sheep and the goats, I go, if we're going to take it literally, the sheep and the goats are screwed, he said. But you're fine because you're not a sheep or a goat. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right because that's their argument, right? And he's, what he's trying to talk about is the people who hear my voice are not going to get wiped out in the war in 8070, but the people that don't, you thick-headed Hebrews, you don't realize it's, it's, I'm talking about get out of Dodge when you see the Roman army surround Jerusalem. Get out of here, right? That's when all this, the end of the world's going to happen is the structures of the world today. We're not looking for the end of the world. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's nothing outside of God. That's why we get all these weird scriptures and ideologies. and That's why there's battling. And you see Christians trying to battle and do these things and planting things in their ground. And, but the scripture says, no, he's going to fill the earth with glory and more glory and more glory until the birds of the air, everything. It's protection, it's provision. Everybody gets that. The, the, Lord, the, the earth is full of glory. So am I losing you guys? There's nothing but good news. This idea that there's good and evil was mythology, and Jesus comes along and he goes, I'm going to take scriptures and understandings that you know and do a plot twist. And by the end, I'm going to show you the nothingness of evil that was truly only one spirit. So the darkness, the evil came from where? Our fallen heart and mind. We ate from the the idea that there was good and evil and that I had to overcome, and I had to do something to be like God. The truth was what? You're like God. You were in the family from the beginning right? So you were created. All things were created good. So the darkness came here. So if you eat from the tree of the good and evil, what he's really talking about is not a physical garden. I I don't really care if you go, so you don't believe the Bible? I go, I I believe what it's, the imagery, what it's supposed to mean. I don't really care if there were two naked people in a talking snake. I think that's weird personally. You got to learn to believe that. That takes a lot of faith to believe that. I just, I don't know. You, you, You see any talking snakes cruising up your road lately? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's just bizarre, actually, right? They never looked at it as the talking snake, guys. They looked at it as the serpentine, the twisted ideology that we picked up on, that we thought we were fallen. So whether you, if you must believe in a devil, this is what I was just list, I was sharing this with you. If you must believe in a devil, that it's not this thing. In fact, if you want a really good book, read the, the, the I think it's called The History of the Satan by Poggles. It's really good. Um, 
And it talks about the, the evolution of this creature, this devil, this Diablos, this, the, the accuser um, in scripture. And Brad talks about this a lot. But if you do have to believe in this thing, um, Jesus clearly comes and he says, listen, I've destroyed the devil and I've come to destroy his works. So even if you believe in him, where is he? He's destroyed. In fact, if you look at scripture, every time he appears, even like Jesus out in the wilderness, it's just, they just dismiss it. They dismiss it. They go, no, it's not a big deal, right? And they go, it's under your feet is what Paul talks about. It's really this nothingness. You don't have to worry about this thing. Just feed on life and what are you going to experience? Life. Don't figure, there's not this evil thing that has to be conquered, guys. That's mythology. That's where, that's the Bible was trying to do the opposite of that and show you that there's not this good and evil. By the time you get to the end, the sea is gone. There's no sea because in mythology, the sea is where the dragon and the chaos and everything came. And so why does Jesus walk on the sea? Where he could have just translated, couldn't he? Couldn't he just showed up on the other side? Why does he walk on the sea? To show them he's God. He's like, listen, they're going, who is this guy that can even control the wind and the sea? Because their mythology is the devil, the, the serpent, the Sheol, all evil comes out of this sea, this mysterious thing. He's like, and so the, the Bible just subverts it. And he's going, no, not this God. This God can walk on it and calm it. And you get to the end of Revelation, it says, and by the way, there was never a sea. It was in your mind. Fascinating, isn't it? Oh, it's so good once you get it. So it's so freeing to me. I'm like, hallelujah, man. All, if I focus on life, what do I experience? Life. So anyway, we're told to maintain the garden, only eat from one tree, and the, Jesus comes along. The garden's your heart. The soil's your heart. So the soil and garden is our heart. Jesus reveals the life separation, gives us the spirit of what? Dad. He goes, I didn't tend to give you a spirit of fear. And one John says, perfect love does what to fear? Just drives it out right? So if we have any fear and anxiety about these evil forces or anything else, are we in complete love? Perfection love is what it says. No, he didn't come. He came to reveal the father. He said, I didn't come to make you scared of me. That's why we'd always say fear not because they're like, oh my God, God's here. Act busy, right? <clears throat> and that's, that's the, that's Western evangelism today. Got to get them in, right? Like they're in before the foundation of the world. It's a beautiful gospel, actually. So uh, I don't need to get them in. I have to awaken their eyes so they can see what's true about them. That's what Paul said, right? So anyway, uh, so Jesus comes and he goes, hey, you don't ever have to be fearful. Nobody's known the Father. I'm showing you what the Father's like. He says you can call him Dad. You're in his family is what he's saying. So anyway, God is not out of a distance. I think that's what we think is God's this mystical thing some far away on a mountain and we got to appease him and he's one with you. That's what he's trying to say. He does not operate or struggle with good evil. He only operates in what? Good. That's why the new covenant says there's not this if then. If you do this, then this. The new covenant is yes. It's just yes. Yeah, but what if I blew it? Is the promise still yes? Yes. What if I had a hot dog? Am I still healthy? Yes. It's true, right? I love the health nuts, man. It's fun to me. It really is. <laughs> when Chris saw us yesterday, he's like, what are you doing? Like, chili cheese dogs, just goodness all over it. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing. So, now, you, hey, listen, if you want to eat healthy because you, you, you like it, but I promise you it doesn't do it. The, if you eat out of the tree of if you do this, then this, what are you, what are you experiencing? Not life, guys. 
There's no if then in, in God. There's only life. He does not operate to struggle with good evil. He's only good and light with no shadow returning. We must eat from this tree, not the tree that thinks we have to struggle with it. So, um, hey, listen, and we all, we all fall down in our minds in, this, in these areas. So it doesn't matter what it is. And that's why I'm like, if we can just really work on not getting defensive, but if we have areas in our life where we're not experiencing life, the good news is we don't have to go fight this devil or anything like that. We have to, what do we have to do? We have to maintain our garden. We have to heal our heart is really all we have to do. And then you will see it. You will see the nothingness of that poverty. You'll see the nothingness of that, the health issues. You'll see the nothingness of the lack of joy. Anything we're struggling with, we'll, we'll, we'll realize we're complete in his eyes. There's nothing lacking. We're perfect the way we are. And he'll provide for us, give to us, heal us. Just as yes. It's just we can focus on that. Does that make sense? And that's why we can just cast our cares on him because hey, there's only one life, there's only one tree and you can just feed on me and you'll experience life and life more abundantly. But if we're struggling, then we still, we're gonna struggle. Now, am I guilty? Yes. <laughs> Should I be? No, because I teach this stuff, but I'm guilty, right? So anyway, uh, and I think if we're honest, we're all there a little bit, right? But here's the good news is, is that even if we, we do that, we can, re, we can refix ourselves back on, wait a minute, ah, take a deep breath, it's gonna be okay because he's provided everything we're going to need. Before the foundation of the world, he's taken care of us. So in Paul's eyes, we don't see him struggle or conquer with evil. You, you talk about it. He dismisses it as a non-entity. He's like, it's really not even an issue. Mythology taught there's this struggle, this epic struggle between good and evil, but the evil is just this darkness. And it's really our potential for darkness when we don't focus only on him. And that's where the, the history of the Satan and everything talks about. So I'm not telling you, if you love your devil, believe in him. Um, it's just not an issue to me. Whether, whether he was created, I'm like, I don't want to get into that argument. I just, it's just not an issue in us. We don't deal with it. Like you can have had it if you want. Um, but it'll, it'll rock your world if you start believing this stuff, you know? It's, you, you want to start manifesting stuff, start believing in it. So anyway, <clears throat> he constantly tells us the struggles in our hearts and minds. So we don't focus on if I do this, then this. We focus on we're completing him, nothing lacking. And no matter what you can think, like this is how I like to think about it. I was communicating with you know who on Messenger today, and their parents are, uh, I don't remember what the denomination, but it's a tough one. It's like legalism to the hilt, man. I don't want to say it, because if you're that, that's fine. Um, but she was like, I want my mom and dad, before they die, to understand that the legalism's killing them so they can experience life. And she's like, what do you do? I was like, love them. Don't try to argue with them because they'll know scripture better than you. The Pharisees knew scripture better than anybody. And, they, and Jesus clearly told them, man, you're trying to find intimacy in a book, but you can't. I came so you could have intimacy with me, a person, right? Anyway, so I said, all you can really do is pray that their eyes are open to the lover of humanity. He's passionate about them. He loves them. Whether they're good or bad or not, that's not how he operates. He only operates in, I love them because that's who he is. You guys get it? That's the oneness, this dualism. And you guys know I've been talking about this, but it's, so, it's like coming alive to me now because I felt so stupid when Baxter and all these guys, like, it's Gnostic dualism. Like, oh yeah, I knew that because I didn't know that. Um, and the, but they just said it like this. Like they were critiquing me because like, I would be talking about this like, no, just stop with that stuff. It's Gnostic dualism, but I didn't understand it. To talk to an Iowa farm kid, all they would have had to say is, there is no good and evil except in your heart. There's only good. I was like, oh, I can get that hard though, isn't it? From this high, this epic battle between good and evil and somehow and uh, no, there's only good. It's, it's the potential for darkness is right here. But when we turn to the light, then we see. 
right? Then we see what's always been true about us, like Saul turned into Paul. So does this make sense to you guys? All right, let's go to the next scripture. <clears throat> i just give you a couple. Just uh, um, Jeremy and Martin, I think we were talking about this right before service. This is Paul, I shared this last week, in the Philippians where he says, finally, brethren. So he's summarizing everything. So he goes, it's kind of like that. Let me wrap this all up. So he's going, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, do what? Mull that over, meditate, churn on that like a cow chooses cud. Meditate on that all the time. Not if I do this, then this. Oh no, I got this situation, I need to do this. No, I don't care what the situation looks like. You realize it's really not any foundation to it, that it's really just darkness. And when you experience life and light, it goes away. You won't even have to deal with it. Isn't that a better way to live? That's, see, that's, once you understand that, then all these questions about why would God create this, he didn't. In your minds, he's doing that, right? He's only good, is what he said. So anyway, um, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. You guys know that, anybody idea what this Greek word world is here? It's eon, which means age, and it's the same word where it says, uh, uh, when it talks about hell, where it says, uh, you'll be tormented forever and ever, right? And we've talked about that, where it's forever, eternity, is the same word, age. But the Latin church wanted to scare you to death, so they put, he's gonna torture you forever and ever. They made it up. Eastern church never talked like that. No, well, I don't know when you first learned about God's gonna torture you forever, but it, did, it, did it make you feel, wow, what a good, ooey-gooey, loving God? I remember me, I was like, wait, what the? Heck, right? It <laughs> scares the death out of you like a little kid. Like, wait, what? Time out. What? I thought God's good. He loved me like my parents loved me. And no, no, no. Sweetie, I'm going to ask for you my hand in marriage because I love you unconditionally. But if you don't accept my love, I'm going to torture you forever. What a twisted gospel. That's not even a gospel. It's another gospel that's being taught, right? And it's it literally, so that word is age. It says, you'll be touchstoned for age of ages because the Hebrews believed in this age and what? The age to come. But we made it forever and ever, so it's scary forever. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know why I got off on that, but be not conformed to this age if you want to go look it up. Age is a set period of time with a definite end. So it says the age of ages, right? So, but be transformed by how? Metamorphosis changed by how? In your mind, isn't that where the garden is? That where we have to till this thing and garden it? Keep this garden is what it says. The renewing of mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. I love this when you really think about it. So if we have situations in our life, which we all do, we're not supposed to focus on if this, what am I doing wrong, right? Um, we're supposed to focus on what? We're one with him. And when we realize that, the darkness goes away and it will prove what's always been true about us, the perfect and good and acceptable will of God. You guys get it? It's pretty cool. And so uh, imagine that, where Jesus comes to the Jews and, and to, he's going, hey, you know all these rules you did? Don't do any of them. You know that little deal where uh, you couldn't eat and you had to fast and you couldn't drink wine and all this and then Jesus is drinking a bottle of wine and they're freaking out. because so he said he came eating and drinking and they called him a glutton and a wine bibber. They didn't call him a wine bibber because he was drinking Welch's. <laughs> Wasn't invented yet. Right? 
But that's that dualism where the, where the church taught, hey, you gotta purify yourself of any earthly pleasures. And Jesus comes in the incarnation and goes, no, no, I'm, I'm validating that everything is good. The earth is good. The Gnostics believe that only spirits, spirit's good and anything earthly is bad. And so stay away from that. And, and then just, oh, it's so crazy. You know, that stuff stirs up legalism and, and pastors drop like flies. I just showed you another one, like this mega church. And he's preaching against this and against this. And, if you ever hear me preaching against something, guess what's probably going on? So that's why I don't, don't call me a pastor, man. I'm not lumped in with those idiots. So it's scary to me because the guys preaching against it, they're always in the ones that it stirs it up and they can't figure it out. And they, they have all these weird lusts. And, uh, and so when they come to me, I'm like, of course, because the law was given to stir it up, to prove to you that you can't do it. You can't be self-righteous. You have to just go, I can't, I'm humble myself, Lord. Heal me, hold, make me whole, because I can't do it. Does that make sense to you guys? So there's good ones and bad ones. I shouldn't throw that around, but I get feisty like Brad, too, we were talking about, because everybody's like, that's heresy, etc. I'm like, no, that's why your life is a mess, because you're operating from the good, evil tree, only operating the good tree. So anyway, hopefully I'm not ranting on anything except that, because Jesus ranted on that. So <clears throat> anyway, you guys get this? Okay, let's go to the next slide. I love this. It, Colossians, what, how are we doing on time? Okay, good. We're almost done. So Colossians 1.15. All right. This, I love this. And we're, as we get into some things, here's what's really cool to me. He is the image of the invisible God, meaning that we can't see God because he's spirit. So Jesus comes in the incarnation. He goes, no, that's God. That's what it means, right? And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. So we go, what's God like? He's exactly like Jesus. So was Jesus scared of your behavior? In the, if you go look in scripture. Did, was he so holy that he couldn't look at sin? No, he hung out with it. He hung out with it, if you go look. He participated with them. He went to them. He sat right next to them. And he, he, he'll never, you'll never see in scripture anywhere that there's judgment except for who? The seminary teachers, the pastors, the religious leaders of the day. Because they're putting qualifications and here's what he says. This is what I was sharing with my friend today, who their dad's like this seminary teacher and everything else. And I'm like, oh, that'll be a fun party. Um, <laughs> I can imagine how good that is. Because they, they said all they kept going, yeah, but scripture, yeah, but scripture. That's why I thought it was fitting. It's like Jesus said, they know the scripture better than anybody. Don't get in an argument with them. But they cannot find life. There's, and this is, how, this is what we always talk about. I said, just be there when they wipe out and love them, because they're going to wipe out. The law stirs everything up. And that's where we need to restore them. You know, like, uh, you know, my well, you know, with the whole thing with Pastor Ted, I was like, that was the chance for us to restore him, not kick him out of the church. That's so terrible to me. Anyway, if we can't restore him, who can, who can we restore? Not you. I know some of you. <laughs> isn't it true, if we're really true? Because I remember everybody was going, can you believe this? Yes, I'm just thankful that my stuff isn't posted on Fox News. And you should be really thankful too. Right? That's the only people Jesus pushed back on because they thought their self-righteousness, their good works could, could get them enter into the kingdom. And the truth was they were already in, but they, they were excluding others because of their own self-righteousness. That's why he said, I resist the proud, but I give grace to every, everybody you see in scripture. Jesus willingly went to them and just said, hey, I didn't come to... I didn't come to judge you. I just came to, even the woman caught in the act because at the end they go, see, it says go and sin no more. So it's the same word, homartia. 
So she was afraid of Jesus, and he shows up, and he goes, I'm not here to judge you. Now go and never have a distorted image of who you are again, is really what that means. Because I bet she probably, let, let me ask you this. When you, quote, unquote, had your salvation experience, did you ever sin again? Yes, it didn't work very well, right? That's not what he's talking about. So here's the thing. Once you realize that you are completely righteous in him because of him alone, your behavior will naturally go. I don't need to preach on, when's the last time I've told you to correct your behavior? I just, well, except for eating. <laughs> I'm really not telling you to correct it. I go, go for it. It just costs you more for the organic stuff. So, but I'm just healthy. So, it's just fun to me because, anyway, that's enough, I know. It's like, that's like this sacred cow for some people. All right, so he, if you, if you, if you want to know what God's like, you can look at Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of how much of creation? This is that word again, that sticky word that'll get you thrown out of the elders meeting. Firstborn over all cosmos, all creation, the same word, where it's, I'll get to it here. But for by him, how many things? All things that are created in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created through him and for him. What's left out? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and he is before all things. So when did you get saved? Before you thought you did. I'm not denying the salvation experience. I'm telling you, you just came awake to it. Does that make sense? The truth was you were always in him, is what it says. Before the foundation of creation, you were in him. And so this is why it was such a good gospel. <coughs> because the whole world, the churches are filled with people that think they were out until they got in. So they spend their whole life trying to get everybody else in, and that's why people hate them. It's like, just love them, and then they'll like you. <laughs> that's why when people go, you're a Christian, you got to define it to me. You really do. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? Let's talk about this, because it could be, no, that's not who I am. Um, anyway, <clears throat> do I know I'm one with the Father and he loves humanity, all humanity? Yes, I know that. If you want to call that Christianity, I know that, yes. So, <clears throat> he was created through all him and for him, and he is before everything, meaning, because see, because this is what they thought, like the, 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 the creation narrative in Genesis, we, we look at that as the creation of the earth, Right? It's kind of weird because light was created before the sun and that's why, the, that's why there's such this argument between Christians and scientists. And, like, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something different because John goes way back and he goes, before anything else, there was what? A relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Before anything else, there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and they were face to face. So all, once you, that's why I think if I teach on this biblical imagery, scripture will really start coming to, to life for you where you get what it's meaning. So anyway, so in him, all things are held together or consist. So um, the gospel, that's what the, the early church fathers taught is that like Athanasius said, you know what? He became man so that man could become one with God. He literally says God, as we were talking about. So anyway, he wants us to know we're in union with him. We were created and be in union with him. And so, um, for it pleased the Father that in him, all the fullness, everything he's talking about there should dwell. So he consists, there's nothing outside of God. That is the, that is the lie of mankind in the garden where we started to believe this, that, that we could be separated. Did God show up, even though they ate from the, the tree? Yes, he, he wasn't too holy that he couldn't look at it. He showed up pursuing man right? He pursues us. And so it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile how many things? 
<coughs> all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made shalom, irene, seamless union through the blood of the cross. And you who are once alienated where? In your minds. You were once alienated in your minds. That's what Adam's all about. It says, as you were in Adam. So when we thought we were fallen, we were in Adam. But it says, as you were in Adam, all die, but as in Christ, how many live? All live. And so it's fascinating. So, that, so Romans 5, where it says, and then life is going to reign. You're going to realize that there's only life, guys. And life's going to be the, the, I know Joseph Prince talks about the basilica and the, the, the judgment. The judgment is going to be, so people always ask me this. So when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, what's he going to say? Life. Life. You know what he said? I didn't come to judge one. I came to save. And I am salvation, is what he said. And then that day you're going to realize I'm in you and you're in me and we're one. It's beautiful, actually. So, for it pleased the Father in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth, he's talking about everything. You who were once alien in your minds by wicked works, you thought because of your behavior you were separated from God. Isn't that what the church taught? What we were taught, the church fathers never taught that. They taught the fantastic news is you were alienated in your mind, but the mystery that's been hidden from the world is you were in him. Read it. It's, it's really pretty cool. So it's actually better news than you were taught. And you who were once alien your enemies remind by wicked works, now he has reconciled. And that, that word reconciled is aorist passive. You, and I've talked to you about this. You know what passive is? It happened to you. And it's done. Aorist means it happened in the past with ongoing effect. It's a done deal. And it happened to you. So he says, you who were once alien your enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet the truth is, Aorist passive, apocatalasso, change in one state of feeling to another is what it says. So the separate, the, the reconciliation happens where? It's not like a legal transaction. It happened here. We thought God was angry with us, but Jesus comes on the cross, and it, when sin abounds, what happens? Grace hyperabounds is what it says. Are you a hyper grace guy? Beyond what you can imagine. Because there's only one kind of grace, and Paul talks about hooper grace, as he talks about. Hooper, hyper, hyper. Hooper. That's a slippery slope. No, your legalism will kill you. That's a slippery slope. He'll give you life. Does that make sense? Your slippery slope is you start to believe this separation, you start thinking everybody else is separated, you get a little self-righteous. And you can't love people just where they're at. I don't care what they're in, what they're doing. <sighs> I, granted, it's still hard for me, but it's, now I'm like, man, I have so much more compassion from the sinner. Before, I'm like, no, I want to hit you with the bat because where was the anger coming from? Be careful how you judge because you yourself will be judged. So when you think that God separates people based on behavior, where, who does it really affect? You. And you can't just love people. If you love people, it always works. It's fascinating. So anyway, my Muslim friends are happier than most Christians, actually. They really are. They're, they're, they're pleasant. And it's fun. You guys are casting things down. I'm like, no, you're going to get your neck slit. They love me because I love them. It's true because when, when you fear that stuff, what happens? You bring it upon yourself is what it says. You start to operate in the wrong tree. So anyway, I can't say I haven't been always, like there were certain times where I, was, like, I told you about that meeting where all the Habibs and everybody were doing their thing and I was a little nervous. I was like, these guys look like the ISIS dudes that are all over TV and I'm the only white kid in here, and I'm talking about Jesus. And they go, we love you. I'm like, wow, it actually works. It's fascinating. So, <clears throat> and mentally, though, I was going, this better work, Lord, because 
It was almost like, sweetie, if I don't come home in two hours, you know where I'm at, right? So, uh, and you who once alien in your minds, he reconciled, AOR is passive to himself. And that word reconcile means brought back to the equality down to the last penny or equal with him. So how valuable are you? Priceless, exactly right, priceless. You're the pearl of great price that he would give anything for. And that's why in, in Revelation it says, um, we found no man that could unloose the seals. It had, the only equivalent of us is what? That was valuable enough to buy us back was what? God. Your value is equal to him. Isn't that fascinating? We found no man that could buy us back to open the, the seals. But then it says, don't weep because there's this lamb, Jesus Christ. That's your value. Anyway, so <clears throat> changing one state of feeling to another, it's, it's not a legal transaction. It happened here where in our worst, where sin abounds, grace hyperabounds, and it says, when we were killing the lover of humanity, the judge man, no, even then he said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. He was coming to reconcile us back to him to show you, I've never been mad at you. In my worst, nothing could ever separate. We were talking about Romans 8 today, is this oneness is so real. And Paul's going, I can't conceive of anything that it would ever separate God from man. And I go, just go to church a couple times. They'll give you lots of reasons why you're separated. But the, the author of two-thirds of the New Testament says, I can't conceive of anything that would ever separate you from love, because love keeps no record of wrong. Isn't that fascinating? It's so good. So, oh, God, hey, if somebody's messed up in life, what do they need to hear? God, yeah, I love you, man. Your value never changed in God's eyes. He loves you perfectly. Yeah, but I'm still messed up. I'm still sinning. I know, isn't that wild? Because where sin abounds, grace hyperabounds. He will, be, he will passionately love you until your behavior changes, not challenging and making your behavior change. When your heart starts to heal, you won't have the need for all these things because you realize I have it all. I'm one. I'm complete in him. There's no need for lust of anything because I can have it. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? That's the gospel. So anyway, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy, blameless reproach in his sight. In our sight, we were what? Separated from him. But in insight, we are holy, blameless, and above reproach. Isn't that good news? You are holy, blameless. You're Michael, you little turd. You're holy, blameless, and beyond yes. reproach, right? <laughs> So anyway, all right, I think the last slide. So yeah, this is it. So, and then we got, drop down to, uh, to 26. Guys, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to wake you up to the good news. Okay? So, hey, and, and uh, Stephen Melton, you and I talked about this when we watched Dr. Wacop. He, he gets on there and he says this. He says, listen, you, your head, you might get to find offensive. Did they find Jesus very offensive? Very offensive. They killed him for it, Right? But the heart was screaming, yes, God's got to be good. And that's why I would just ask you, are we making Jesus better or worse? Or are we going to make man, this is what I call it, I go, big man, little God. Your Adam was powerful enough to separate you, but he's not powerful enough to bring you back. It's just a fallacy that the church, the Western church has taught for 1,500 years. Like I said, Eastern church, the, they've never gotten off it. There's a reason why they haven't deviated from the gospel and we have 33,000 denominations. Isn't that wild? So, the mystery, mysterion is what it says, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. 
it was hidden. So was it true, though, even though it was hidden? Yes, it was true. It was hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been, the light came, it's been revealed, right, to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, the mysterion is what it says, not something unknowable, because I think we think it's like, it's a mystery, right? And God says, no, you can know it. You can know me. You can be one with me. So it's not something unknowable. This is how the helps word studies. Rather, what can only be known through revelation. So it's not something you became because you did something to get saved. It's something that was always true that now has been revealed to you. You guys get it? So what's, what's always been true? He goes on to say, because <clears throat> uh, Paul's talking about, hey, I'm, I'm here to preach the Gentiles, because did, did that fire up the Jews at all? No, man. It's like an evangelical Christian. Don't tell them they're good. We're the only good guys. Until they say the magic words, they're not good. Doesn't that sound like the Jew? Exclusion? It does to me. And Paul's going, that's not how it works, guys. All were in him before the foundation of the world. That's the good news. In fact, if you go look at it, he says, we are ambassadors to teach the gospel of what? Reconciliation. The gospel of reconciliation, we just looked at that, was AOR's passive tense. So Paul's going, he's made us ministers of a new covenant to preach as ambassadors of him the good news that it's happened to you, the gospel of reconciliation. Now go tell the world they've been reconciled. Not, you can be. Go tell them they are. Does that make sense to you guys? You're in. He loves you. He does. I suck. No, that's why he still loves you. I'm saying, right? Like in their minds, they, they, they think they're sinning all over the world. So <clears throat> what's this mystery that was hidden? What, that was true, but was hidden from the generations. Christ, not away from you, because that's what the mythology believed. Christ, in you, the confident expectation of his glory. Who's the glory of the Lord? Who's the kavot, the heaviness? We are. We're the abode. We're the kavot. We're the weightiness. And so it says, this is the mystery that's been hidden. Christ was actually in you. <laughs> that's good news to me anyway. I just know all the nonsense I'm going to get from all the radical Christians. So, ah, Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory. Him we preach, warning. I, I wanted to go look at this word warning because I told you. Isn't that how we think of Warning. It's actually exhorting and placing in the mind when I looked it up. It says, him we preach, placing in your mind every man and teaching every man all wisdom that we, we may present or show every man what? Complete, perfect in Christ. Isn't that good? Yeah. All right, get to your feet. <coughs> so what is this Christ in you deal? This is the gospel that was revealed. <laughs> this is what the church fathers taught. Does that make sense? Not what you were taught. The, the stuff you were taught came 500 years ago. And I mean this with all my heart. I'm not trying to criticize all of it. I was there, man. I believed it all until you go back and let's go read what the fathers who actually canonized the Bible, what did they teach? They taught radical good news, the unconditional love of the Father. So this is the gospel that's been revealed. Was Christ in you? You thought you were separated in your mind, but no, Christ in you. And you were one with him. And guess what? You thought this mythology that there was this devil and this creature, etc. And if you have to believe in him, that's fine. Just know he's under your feet and he's a non-issue because I've destroyed it. And you think this, all this weirdness came out of the sea and the dragon and the serpent and behemoth. And we found the behemoth. No, the behemoth is you. You're the beast. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. It's your, your beastly mind that you think all these things and we separate ourselves there. But we'll, we'll talk about Revelation some other time. Revelation is actually really beautiful. It's actually the unveiling, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. So if the, if the veil is taken away, now we can have intimacy with him like a husband and wife. 
But if the law still teach, what's, what's the scripture say? There's still a veil there, and I can't. If I want to be intimate with my wife, I don't give her rules. I try woo her face to face. Back, the less veil, the better. Right? Take that veil off. That's the intimacy is what he's trying to tell you. Does that make sense to you guys? He, the, the Hebrews have no issue with that. I'm not trying to be weird. Like, but we can understand it here like a husband and wife, this intimacy. They it's a little harder if we're wearing sheets. Get it? And he's saying, if you think that God operates in this good and evil, the veil still remains. But once the veil is gone, now what happens? I can see. Does that make sense? So, when the confident expectation of glory. So, when we see our oneness, that we've always been one with him, we're married to him. Everything he has is ours. His wealth has is, is sucked up our poverty. His health has sucked up our, our lack of health. His joy has sucked up our whatever that we're dealing with, depression and anxiety and all the things that humans deal with. When we realize, wait, wait a minute, all I need to do is focus on oneness. And no matter what, as a, this is how I love to look at it. If I love my wife or I love my son or if, he was a, if, if God was good, he would do this for me. I think we all have that in our minds sometimes, don't we? But if we're still waiting for it to happen, like when's it gonna manifest? We've missed it yet a little bit. And I'm not telling you, like, the word of faith was, guys, it's your fault because you don't have enough faith. No, they don't have enough faith because of your teaching. They'll be persuaded when they go, you already have it. Isn't that better? Like, hey, you need to build up enough faith to get it versus, no, you already have it. Just be one with it. Just focus on life. And when your faith-o-meter can't faith-o-meter anymore, know that his faith-o-meter is still working because he cannot deny himself. I already have it. Thank you, Father. Now I'm not worried about manifestation. I'm not worried about anything. All I do is focus on I'm one with him. He loves me perfectly. I'm perfectly provided for. I'm perfectly healthy. I'm complete in every way. I don't care what it even looks like. Is In his eyes, I'm perfectly complete. And then whatever I can conceive, he, he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we think or ask. Whatever we can come up with. And here's what's wild. Even the doctrines that keep you away from God, he'll exceed it. I'm just trying to pull down a lot of those weird strongholds that we've had. In our minds, they weren't really real. So does that help you guys? So whatever you're, we're waiting to manifest, I don't care what it is, just know you already have it and it's bigger and better and exceeds beyond what you can think or ask. And it's just yours, just rest in it. There's nothing to overcome, there's no faith you have to build up, there's nothing, that's the good, bad tree. There's only life and life more abundantly. Does that help you guys? And you watch, when you just start focusing on his love and light, everything he has will come with you, it'll be added to you, Aorus passive tense. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom, Know it's in here, the heart, the garden. It's spiritual. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. And everything you're needing, asking, begging, pleading, tonguing, prayer chaining, you have already have. <laughs> so you can relax with all that stuff and just rest. And go on one with it, and I have it. Everything he has will be added to you, passive tense. Does that make sense? All right, so Father, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you. Oh, just let that good, good, only life operate in their heart and uproot any wrong, good, evil teaching, weird teaching, spiritual warfare, all that kind of stuff. There's only one spirit is what you said. There's only one. It's life. The work has to be in our heart. We have to maintain this garden. That's why it says bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, not our obedience, to the obedience of the anointing, Christ in me. That's what that means. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of the anointing in me. I'm one with him. 
And I realize everything I'm ever going to need he's already provided for. You freely say yes because you love us unconditionally. And we just say thank you that you just work all that in their hearts so they can see it like never before. And miracles just effortlessly happen. And they can, no matter what they see right now, they have the confident expectation of glory because we're one with you. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hopefully it helps, guys. If you need anything, prayer or whatever, we'll come up here and, uh, and we'll, we'll make it happen because you're, you're a son. You don't have to live without anything that he's provided for. Amen?